my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Hey there, Tanner fans. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House podcast. Well, today I'm bringing you the final episode in the Tanner Girls in Love series. Yes, today I'm going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 5, entitled Lovers and Other Tanners. This episode aired October 20th, 1992. In this episode, DJ's responsibilities take a back seat as her relationship with Steve escalates. Alright, so I'm going to also read the DVD case description for this episode and see what one's better. So happy she's acting dopey. DJ neglects her school and homework responsibilities, her school and home responsibilities to spend time with Steve. I don't like this one. It just sounds kind of rude. Saying so happy she's acting dopey. Is this like a play on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs or something? What is this? Like, come on. You could have done better. You didn't have to say she's acting dopey. Right, Quinnels? Alright, so this episode's got a 7.2 out of 10 based on 169 ratings on IMDb. It looks we have Hillary Shepard is Julie. Not sure who Julie is. But we'll find out. Oh! Oh! Oh, I know! I know who. Okay, okay. I forgot about this. Yeah, the side plot is with um, Jesse. Going on um, the radio station, kind of like the beginnings. Okay, I got to pull this table back just a smidge. I moved. Uh, I went to a shorter podcast table. I'm trying to rearrange my room right now. Um, yeah, this is just the beginning of what will later become Jesse and Joey's new business ad- business venture with Rush Hour Renegades. They were in advertising together. Now they're gonna team up and do a radio show. <laughs> So this episode was directed by Joel Zwick, writers Jeff Franklin, the creator, and writer Jay Abramowitz, I can't pronounce his name, I'm sorry Jay, I'm sorry. Surprisingly, there is no, tr- <laughs> there's no trivia for this episode, but there is, of course, the user reviews, which I love so much. We only have one, of course, the ever-faithful Power Man Dan gives it a 6 out of 10. Titling it, DJ and Steve Fall in Love. This review is from March 18th, 2019. This is the episode where the best boyfriend and girlfriend on the show falls in love with one of the main characters. DJ and Steve have been dating a couple months. They finally proclaim their love with their love on the rise. Her responsibilities and grades are slipping. Danny is fed up and forbids them to see each other, but this is around the time that Danny's relationship with Vicky is on the rise. They are at about the same stage. 
The subplot involves Jesse and Joey in their first day as radio disc jockeys. Jesse has a cold and takes too many pills that takes a toll on him the next day. He can barely keep his eyes open. The way that it's presented is funny, but just imagine the harm it could have taken if it was taken just a little farther. Imagine. Both plots are good, but the main plot is a little sad. The friction between Danny and and DJ is a little too much. Other than that, it is fine. Okay, yeah, that's right. So I guess this is their first time on air as the Rush Hour Renegades. Um, yeah, right off the bat, I definitely want to say, if you're sick, don't pop a bunch of cold pills, because they're not going to make you any weller any faster. It is just going to knock you on your butt. I mean, I get the same knocked out feeling when I take a couple Midols, and it's weird because when I was taking them when I was younger, it's like they never had that effect on me, but it's like I pop two, and I'm like out like a light, which is weird. <laughs> so, the, yeah, I mean, especially if you're starting a, a new job and everything, you want to, you know, I... I don't know where his frame of mind was. I think he just didn't feel well. It's like, so you have an off day. People are going to get sick. You know, you work through it sometimes, depending on the severity. Of course, before I officially get into the episode, I'd like to let any Tanner newbies, I want to welcome you all aboard the Tanner train. Thank you for finding the podcast, social media, or iTunes. And, of course, social media for the podcast is going to be the Facebook page. Just type in Full House Podcast, Fuller House Podcast, so all my Lanto Holy Chalupas podcasts will pop up. There's my timer. My lunch is done. Also, the podcast does have an Instagram page at OMHC, Full House, Fuller House Pod. And Twitter at OMHC Full House. Also, if you have any Full House or Fuller House memories you'd like to share or your thoughts or opinions on episodes or your top five lists of favorite episodes, least favorite episodes, least favorite characters, most favorite characters, characters you can relate to, storylines you can relate to, or even storylines maybe that could have, if you think that you have a better idea for an episode like hey this episode could have been better if we put this character in this scenario or something like that i would love to hear about it so send an email to omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com also if you're looking for ways to support the podcast i don't do patreon the only thing i ask is if you got a moment jump on itunes and leave a review all five-star reviews do help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into Lovers and Other Tanners. So let's take a look at the cold open first. Those are These are always cute, fun little nugget scenes. They're just adorable. Sometimes they have something to do with the episode. Sometimes they're their own thing. So. so we go into Stephanie and Michelle's room and Michelle, we go into Stephanie and Michelle's room and Michelle has a nice little setup here with some 
empty little milk cartons like the kind you get in school. And Stephanie comes in and asks Michelle what she's doing. Michelle says she's working on on growing, you know, her vegetables for, I think it's probably like a little school project. I did something like this, I believe, in first, second grade, one of those. But it wasn't a vegetable. I think it was like a little, a little pea pod, something small. But Michelle's got four cartons. One is tomatoes, one is broccoli, one is, I think, peas. Peas, tomatoes, and broccoli. And she also is going to grow dessert. <laughs> yeah, with She's got some M&Ms to plant. Like, I don't think it works that way, kiddo. She's got like a little popsicle stick with an empty fun size M&M's bag over it. That is, that is cute. That is cute. I mean, you can't blame her for trying. Who didn't want that when they were a kid? A candy tree. <laughs> and Stephanie scoffs at Michelle. Like, really, Michelle? An M&M tree that's like trying to plant a nickel and getting hoping for a money tree. Of course, Michelle's like, hmm, that gives me an idea. We all wanted money trees as children, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, when you heard the whole saying, money doesn't grow on trees, but I mean, money currency is made of paper. <laughs> so she takes the M&M wrapper out of the milk carton that she put an M&M in, and she takes her piggy bank, puts it upside down, thinking she's going to be able to get money out of the little slot. That's not how that works. You got to take money out of the bottom. Michelle, what you doing? I'm planting my seeds from school. Peas, tomatoes, and broccoli. I'm also planting dessert. <laughs> So we come out of the intro. We are in the kitchen. Becky is at the little round table with Nikki and Alex. I think they're eating like Lucky Charms or Cheerios. She's singing Michelle's original graduation song from season four, The Graduates, which would have been roll, roll, <laughs> which would have been Wheels on the Bus. The twin in red is not even paying attention to Becky. He's staring at something on the floor has got his attention. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Stephanie comes down with Michelle. Michelle is dressed. This is the third honeybee. And I think this has got to be... No, wait a minute. No, I'm thinking... The end of season five was Captain Video. I think that's when Michelle joins the honeybees when she's like six. Maybe five or six is like as soon as she could start. Because I remember in season one, Stephanie was like five. So 
So, of course, Danny sees Michelle in her honeybee outfit. And, of course, he has to come over and gush and say how beautiful she is. And I'm just buzzing with pride. And, oh, my goodness. I love how when Danny walks off, Michelle says, Yeah, you're right. I should have changed at school. <laughs> I was just thinking about what the, the boy equivalent of the honeybees could be. Like, a day or so ago, I was like, what could be the opposite of honey badgers? Like, instead of Cub Scouts, it's honey badgers. Or something cute like that. I don't know. You know, I really wonder, like, their washer and dryer, if they're still on their originals from season one, or if they had to upgrade. Because there's so many people in that house. There's so much laundry being done. So Joey comes down the stairs... And he is just ready and raring to go to the radio station. He says, where's Jess? I want to go over some stuff with him before we make our big radio debut. And Jesse is coming up from the basement, which is, I think at this point, still the studio. And he just looks a mess. He looks rough. And Becky, the way Becky says, oh, he was downstairs, he was too wound up to sleep. When I think downstairs, I think of the ground floor of where they're at. I don't think downstairs and think, oh, he's in the studio. But he, I guess he slept down there. And when she says wound up to sleep, like, it makes me think, like, oh, he's just bouncing off the walls. He's just so excited. No, he is more like run down. He's walking up the stairs into the kitchen, blowing his nose. He just, he's got a five o'clock shadow. He just looks an absolute sick mess. Jesse's got a teal bathrobe lined with, or rimmed with uh, black. And he's got his, and it's basically a monogrammed robe with JK on it. And how Jesse refers to a stuffed up nose. He says, I feel like someone crammed a duck up my nose. <laughs> so Jesse's like, all right, come on, Joey. I'll show you this bit I'm working on. And he goes to sneeze. And because Joey is, we've all seen this in cartoons, where someone's about to sneeze, the other person puts their finger up near the person's nose and it keeps them from sneezing. But Jesse just blows not all over Joey's index finger. He's like, ugh, well, it worked in cartoons. Well, this is the real world. It does. I would not be sticking my finger any, if someone's got a sneeze, I'm not sticking my finger up near their nose to prevent them. I'm backing away, like, away, away. Like, you stay in your bubble with your snot over there, and I will stay over here 10 to 15 to 20 feet away from you so I don't get hit with any uh, shards of snot. Like, your snot missiles can stay in your snot bubble. It's not like he's never seen her in that outfit before. Don't you look beautiful. I am just buzzing with pride. You're right, I should have changed at school. Hi guys. Well, today's the big day. 
Where's Jess? I want to go over some stuff for our big radio debut. Oh, he's downstairs. He was too wound up to sleep. <laughs> yeah, he looks a mess. You need to go back to bed. It's my first day on the radio, and I, I sound like someone crabbed a duck up my nose. That's a nice image. Come on, Joey, I'll show you this bit I'm working on. Uh, uh. Ew. <laughs> Gross, yes. Okay, come on, boys, come on. Let's go get you cleaned up so you can get dirty again. <laughs> So, Becky takes the twins to get cleaned up so they can get all gross again. DJ shouts from upstairs, hey, Dad, is Steve here yet? And Danny's like, no, there's still food on the table. And here comes Steve just bursting in the back door as he just starts helping himself to whatever's left over on that table. Yeah, he take Steve comes right in. He takes a plate in the middle, which has got, like, English muffins or biscuits. And just, like, helps himself, because it's there. Those plates don't even look like they have been eaten from. Everyone must be in a big rush, because, I don't know. But here comes DJ. She's wearing, that is a very beautiful, it's not peach, and it's not salmon. It's more of a, maybe a bright, like, peach color. I love when DJ, <laughs> Danny's expecting her to give him a hug and a kiss, but she goes right over to Steve first, like, hey, and she kisses him, hugs him, and Danny's like, hello, she's like, hi, <laughs> like, <laughs> Danny, she sees you all the time. How often does her boyfriend come over for breakfast? But then, I mean, who knows? If Steve maybe comes and picks her up every morning to take her to school. Danny's still buying clothes for DJ? I mean, she's 15. I mean, I'm pretty sure she picks out her own stuff. He's like, oh, you're finally wearing the blouse that I bought you. I thought you hated that color. And she's like, well, yeah, I do, but Steve loves it on me. And I love Steve's compliment. He's like, yeah, don't you just love how it brings out her eyes? <laughs> Well, I'm sure Danny wasn't thinking that when he picked it out. <laughs> you know what would have been a fun callback? <laughs> if Danny said, hey, don't ruin that shirt that I bought you, kind of like you did with that royal blue sweater, like back in 89. So Danny has a favor to ask of DJ. This, of course, is most likely going to be her second slip up. We'll learn about the first in a minute. But he says, look, um, I gotta go pick up Vicky from the airport. Can you pick Michelle up from her honeybee meeting at 4 o'clock? And Stephanie's, or Stephanie, actually, that's my point. Stephanie could just as easily pick Michelle up. I don't see why she couldn't. But DJ's like, yep, got it. Michelle, honeybees, 4 o'clock. Mental note in the head. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. I love how DJ's lipstick matches her shirt. And it's just her makeup. It's just, I don't really talk about, you know, makeup and hair and, you know, unless I'm giving a worst outfit, best outfit of the episode. I really don't talk too, too much about makeup and hair and all that stuff. Unless it's just not great. But everything, but it's just, it's gorgeous. Just the hair, the 
the lipstick matching the shirt is just pretty, very pretty. So, of course, before she can leave, Danny has to bring up a history test that he is just so in tune with everything about DJ. I'm sure he's not keeping up in Stephanie or Michelle's schoolwork. Because he's like, yeah, you were getting a history test back. What happened with that? What was your grade? And DJ's like, oh, uh, yeah, I gotta see. And Steve is like, all right, I see, you nailed it. And she gets up to go, and Danny's like, well, wait a minute. No, a C, you were running an A in that course. And he also explains to her, if you don't keep up your grades, you can't get a part-time job, which means you can't save up for the car that you want. And TJ's reply, oh, you know, I don't need a car. Steve has one. <laughs> and Steve starts talking about his really roomy back seat. It's like, you don't want to be saying that to the father of the girl you're dating. can only imagine the images running through Danny's head right now. I don't need to know. <laughs> he already did the part-time job thing anyway, and he's like, hey, why don't you just stick with being a kid? You don't got to worry about a part-time job. Not to mention if he had a part-time job, how long do you think it's going to take for her to save up a car? Exactly. But And I'm surprised that DJ just sort of like, oh, yeah, I got to see. Like, she didn't think that wouldn't set Danny off because he clearly wants his kids to get constantly get straight A's all the time. Before he says the really roomy backseat, he says V6, four on the floor, which I don't know what that even means. As soon as Steve mentions the really roomy backseat, Danny is like shooting just death rays out of his eyes at Steve. Like, I did not need to know that. Now I'm even more concerned for you dating my daughter. First I was just a little concerned. Now I'm very concerned. <gasps> Uh, Steve takes that and he's like, uh, Deej, you know what? I'm going to catch outside, okay? And he takes the plate of English muffins with him. <laughs> so now that Steve is not in the room, Danny jumps into Steve's vacated seat and decides to have a little powwow with DJ before school about, like, oh, you know... It seems to me like you and Steve are getting a little serious, huh? And she's like, uh. And the whole time she's been talking about, you know, her C and history and all that, she's been holding this orange and she's kind of like shifting it from one hand to the other. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I really sometimes kind of wonder how much he really likes me. And Danny says, Beach, he's here every day. He's here every morning. And DJ says, Dad, you're a good cook. <laughs> I love Danny's response. Deej, that boy would eat lint. Well, maybe. Steve would eat Joey's cooking, and that is saying something about Steve. But DJ's like, Dad, look, I gotta go to school. So she grabs her bag and heads for the door, and Danny kind of stops her like, all right, Deej, you remember when I um was giving you driver driving lessons? And she says... Yeah, you said, pull over, I'm nauseous. He's like, no, before that. I said, don't go too fast. And he is referring to, he kind of feels like it's a little, maybe, because honestly, if you look at it, this is her first real steady boyfriend. Sure, she's had boy, you know, interest in boys. She's 
snuck out of the house to meet Ryan when Kimmy was babysitting Aaron and uh, Bitterman was there. There's that. There was Pete from the Funky Tongues. Just, you know, random boys and stuff that she was interested in. But this is the first steady, exclusive, I only want to date you and only you boyfriend. So he just, I think he's a little nervous that she's gonna, she's jumping into this relationship a little too fast, too much emotion. Like, he doesn't want to see her get hurt, which is understandable for any father with his daughter, but... He also understands being a teenager, the hormones and all that stuff, and you don't, you just don't, just, just take it slow, take it slow. Don't, don't rush into the I love yous. Just think about it. This is episode five of season six. We just met Steve in episode one, Come, Come Fly With Me. However, yes, we did meet him in season five in Sisters in Crime, which I haven't gotten to the episode yet with the podcast, but I will. And that version of Steve, I'm not a huge fan of because he just comes off as really, I don't want to say pushy, but he just kind of comes off as unlikable. Because in that episode, he's Steve Peters here and throughout the rest of, you know, season six through eight, he's Stephen Hale. And that's his who he'll continue to be even, you know, in Fuller House. No, there's still food left on the table. <laughs> hey, Mr. Tanner. <laughs> Not for long. Hi. 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 Gee, <laughs> you're finally wearing that blouse I bought for you. I thought you hated that color. Oh, I do. But C loves it on me. Isn't it amazing the way it brings out her eyes? <laughs> you know, Deej, I need a favor. I have to pick Vicky up at the airport. Could you please walk Michelle home from her honeybee meeting today at 4 o'clock? Michelle, honeybee's 4 o'clock. Got it. Great. Oh, by the way, weren't uh, you supposed to be getting your history test back yesterday? Oh, yeah. I got a C. All right, you nailed it. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I got a C? Honey, you were running an A in that course. You know our agreement, if you don't keep your grades up, then you can't get a part-time job and you can't save for the car that you want to buy. Oh, I don't need a car anymore. Steve has one. Yeah, that's cool. V6, four on the floor, really roomy backseat. Yeah, he does not need to know that, Steve. <laughs> DJ, I'll catch you inside, okay? I'm going to want that plate Picture back. Picture of OJ. So, Deej, uh, you and Steve seem to be getting, you know, kind of serious. I don't know. I wonder how much he really likes me. He's here every day. You're a good cook. Deej, that boy would eat lint. Dad, I have to go. Oh, uh, sweetheart, um, do you remember what I said when I started giving you driving lessons? Pull over, I'm nauseous. No, before that. I said, uh, don't go too fast. Don't worry, Dad. Okay. Bye. Bye. Love you. I love you, too. Okay. 
All right. Looks like we're in the living room now. DJ and Steve are working on some math. He's using a, I'm guessing this is a protractor, the metal thingy with the pencil in it. Some geometry, I think it is. I never took this, so I, I assume. And I believe they do say geometry. Of course, immediately he puts the pencil, the paper, the protractor, and he's like, I can't do this. And he turns to her, smiles, almost with a wink in his eye. I can't figure this out. How about some help? Uh-huh. You just wanted an excuse for her to put her hands on your hands. Uh-huh. Because math is so much fun when you're doing it with someone you like. Or, or something. He looks at her and smiles. As he says, now who says geometry's a drag? And they kiss. Because she <laughs> ta puts her hand on his and then grabs his other hand for the pencil. Yeah, that's just an excuse to get close and kiss. But they don't need an excuse. The audience loves that. <laughs> and of course, cue the opening of the door. Becky is bringing Nikki and Alex back from someplace. <laughs> Becky has got this shocked look on her face. Like, <laughs> and Nikki and Alex are like, uh-oh, uh-oh. And DJ and Steve quickly break apart. She's so embarrassed. So Becky's like, uh-oh is right, Nikki, Alex. This is what's known as bad timing. So she takes the boys and rushes them out of the room saying, uh, we were never here. <laughs> and now we're leaving. So... DJ's like, wow, Aunt Becky must really love those twins. Well, they are her offspring. I would be worried if she didn't love them. But DJ's like, wow, it must be an incredible feeling to, to love somebody. And, I mean, she, the love that she's seen with Becky and her boys is 100% not the same thing as what she feels or is starting to feel for Steve, what you would feel for a, a romantic partner. But... It's definitely love as an emotion itself is very, very strong. And Steve agrees with her, like, yeah, it must be. And he's like, Deech? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, I need an eraser. And he start, he grabs an eraser and just starts rubbing it. She's like, Steve, you're going to rub a hole right through the coffee table. This kid, is he is breathing so hard, you'd think he ran a marathon. She says, Steve, you're going to rub a hole right through the coffee table. It's like, I know, you got me crazy, DJ. I love you. And just a declaration of love. DJ's like, y you do? You had a little mini, like I said, mini boyfriend. Oh, Kevin Gwynn. There's another one. Because she was kind of sort of boyfriend-girlfriend with him. And, you know, this is the first time a boy's ever told her that they love her. She's like, really? He's like, and then he stops and he turns to face her and he's like, yeah, I just, I've been wanting to say it for the longest time now. And it just, every time I do it, just, I kept chickening out. But now that I've said it, I, and he, he's looking at her, he's like, I feel like I want to say it again. I love you. And she's like, oh, well, well, thank you. And the look on Steve's face is like, uh, Yeah. That, like, you want to say something to me? 
Oh, that's why she says thank you. But then he's like, yeah, and don't you want to say something to me? She's like, <laughs> oh my goodness, young love, young love. Yeah. She's like, this is incredible. And then he says, don't you want to say something to me? And she's like, yes, thank you. And he's like, oh, okay. Bare my soul here. I'm getting thank you. And he looks at her and he's like, is that it? And she says, I mean, I love you too. Aww. Yes, I mean, I do feel they are moving a bit too fast. No, no, granted. No, granted. We did not see their eight weeks in Spain where they, you know, grew close and hung out and all that stuff. So, I'd say what they've been dating for, let's say, let's say 90 days. They've been dating for three months. When do you think is the best time to, I'm trying to think of when Jesse told Becky that he loved her. It was, it was when they had been dating for six months. They went to Tahoe and he was saying how he was going to finally tell her that he loved her. Okay, yeah. So I would honestly say it really depends on the couple, whether you've been dating, you know, six months to a year. It's just whenever you feel comfortable. Well, don't feel like you're, like you're in the moment I have to say it. Just make sure the time is right for not just for you. But for, you know, and don't feel just because your partner says it that you have to feel obligated to say it, especially if you're not ready to say it. Because there is a lot of emotion and a, that comes, that term love is very, very power, powerful. And you don't just say it just to anybody or just because it's in the moment. Like the angle for the tip of the compass here. I, I can't get the hang of this. How about some help? Boy, you don't need no help. Well, put the needle here and the pencil here. Now, who says geometry's a drag? Right. Nikki, Alex, this is what's known as bad timing. <laughs> um, we is really and, uh, pulling on her arm. I'm Becky must really love those twins. Must be such an incredible feeling to love someone that much. Yeah, must be. Deej? Yeah, Steve? I <laughs> need an eraser. <laughs> Eraser flakes all over the place. I love you. You do? Really? Yeah. I wanted to say it a hundred times, but every time I tried, I, I kept chickening out. But but now that I've said it, I I feel like I want to say it again. I love you. This is incredible. <laughs> Don't you want to say something to me? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Not what he meant. 
That's it? I mean, I love you too. So, Steve and DJ kiss again, and of course, in walks in Danny and Vicky. Yeah, your parent is not the, the, your parents are not the people you want walking in on you kissing your significant other, especially if you're a teenager and you're kissing your boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. You don't want anyone, but then again, you're in an area where there's a lot of foot traffic. And Danny break, kind of breaks up their kissing session by saying, you know, I heard after a minute and a half, the brain dies from lack of oxygen. <laughs> and DJ's like, Dad, Vicky, how nice to see you guys. And of course, Vicky's all apologetic, like, oh, well, we, we're sorry. We didn't mean to bust in on you. And Danny's like, well, I'm glad we did. So here comes Stephanie. And she asked Danny, like, Dad, if I found something valuable on the way home from school, would I be entitled to a reward? And Danny's like, oh, well, I don't know. It depends on how valuable. And pops Michelle in the doorway, like, who forgot to get me? And DJ's like, oh, Michelle. And Michelle's like, you. And yeah, Stephanie puts her hand out and says, all right, pay up. And Danny is furious, you know, he's like, he has one thing of DJ to do, she's made a mental note of it, clearly that mental note got wiped away as soon as she got into the car that morning with Steve and went to school. But this is just the second thing now that she has lapsed in judgment about due to her relationship with Steve. I don't understand why Stephanie just couldn't have gotten her. I mean, my gosh. What time of, you know, when I was a kid, elementary school actually got out, you know, later than junior high. Well, they're both in elementary school, though, Michelle and Stephanie. So how is it Stephanie gets out of school and Michelle's already done with her honeybee meeting? That just seems weird. I don't get it. DJ's like, oh, we were, I'm so sorry. We were so busy doing our homework. And Danny's like, oh, yeah, I just saw some of that homework when we walked in. So Danny has Vicky take Stephanie and Michelle out of the room so he can talk to DJ about this. Her lack of care of responsibilities. Of course, has to bounce like, hey, look, don't worry, because DJ's like, hey, I'll call you later. And he's like, look, I gotta bounce anyway. I gotta get to wrestling practice. Of course, he goes to kiss her, turns and looks at Danny, who's pretty much giving him the eye like, I wouldn't if I were you. She's already in enough trouble. Why don't you just grab your stuff and head out? Now, Steve just goes in for a handshake. Like, okay. <laughs> of course, Stephanie's gotta throw in her two cents. Like, oh, I'd love to go to the kitchen, Dad, but I can't hear as well from there. And Michelle's like, oh, we never get to hear the good stuff. And Stephanie says, welcome to my world. It would have made more sense if Stephanie just picked up Michelle anyway. They go to the same school. DJ's got to go way out of her way to get Michelle. You know, I've heard after a minute and a half, the brain dies without oxygen. <laughs> 
Vicky, nice to see you guys. Sorry, we didn't mean to bust in on you. No, but I'm awfully glad we did. Hi, Vicky. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Good, how are you? Uh, Dad, if I found something valuable on the way home from school, would I be entitled to a reward? Maybe. Depends on how valuable it is. Okay. Who forgot to get me? Is that a Lisa Frank Owl lunchbox mission set? Pay up. <laughs> DJ. Michelle. You! <laughs> I am so sorry. We were really busy doing our homework. Oh, yeah, I just saw some of that homework. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll call you later. Hey, it's okay. I gotta go to wrestling practice. <laughs> uh, girls, um, Vicky, I want to talk to DJ alone. Would you just excuse us for a moment? I'd love to, Dad, but... I can't hear as well from the kitchen. Come on, girls, how about a snack? I never get to see the good stuff. Welcome to my world. So as soon as Vicky and the girls are out of earshot, they're out of the living room, Danny lays into DJ. Yeah, he, he tells her, you know, DJ, this is inexcusable. And DJ says, Dad, I'm sorry, it'll never happen again. He's like, well, it's not just about picking up your sister. And he starts in about her schoolwork and how she's entirely too wrapped up with Steve. And DJ's argument here is like, I love Steve and he loves me. And Danny kind of scoffs at her. He's not respecting her feelings at all. I get it. Yes, she's a teenager. She made a mistake. It's like, what? You're 15 years old. You can't be in love. And she right away is like, you can't tell me how I feel. It's like, you really can't. I mean, Danny, if you want to have a dialogue with your daughter and... and about her lack of responsibility and carrying her schoolwork because she's wrapped in her boy up in her boyfriend, you don't need to act like her feelings in this don't matter. I mean, he, when she says I love Steve and he loves me, he literally practically just laughs in her face. Like that's the funniest thing he's ever heard. Like, how can you be in love? You don't know what that is. I mean, for all we know, we could label it instead of saying love, like infatuation. Like, she's riding that high of infatuation and teenage hormones. But then again, I don't want to disregard her feelings either and say, like, oh, you're not in love. You don't know. It's like, don't demean someone's feelings. Say, oh, you don't know what that's like. You don't, you couldn't possibly know what love is. And just, ugh. You know, this, and I know it's not even remotely the same thing. If you remember in Forrest Gump, where... Forrest tells Jenny that he loves her and she looks at him and kind of flat out says, Forrest, you don't know what love is. It's like, don't do that. Don't do... Ugh, I don't like it, but just... Regardless, they have feelings and... I don't know. I mean, Danny, you were a teenager once, and he's going to see that when Vicky talks some sense into him later. Like, you were her age at one time. You were in love at one time. You felt like you were in love, like you were on cloud nine. You wanted to be with this person all the time. And it's just... It's like, what? You're 15 years old. You're not in love. Like, ugh. Yeah. She's been neglecting her schoolwork because she got a C on one test. 
and neglecting her other responsibilities like picking up her little sister. Oh, come on. I, I get it, yeah. There's an episode um, of Different Strokes, I think it's season two or three, where Willis gets his first girlfriend, Charlene, and he is literally calling her on the phone every single night. His grades are kind of slipping, and it's just, he's infatuated with this girl. And he's actually probably a year young. He's like probably 13, 14 at this time. And I remember um, Philip or Mr. Drummond putting his foot down like, this has to stop. You need to be focusing on your schoolwork. And the fact that he says, Danny tells her flat out, like, because she's like, I said I'm sorry. It's like, what more do you want me to say? He's like, well, I'm sorry too, because I don't want you and Steve seeing it each other anymore. It's like, don't do that. Don't forbid her to have a relationship. Because you just, you do that, and you're going to send her right directly to Steve. But then again, forbidding her from seeing him is not the answer. I would have said, I think you guys kind of need to cool it down a little bit. I need you to get refocused on your schoolwork, and then make time for Steve when you have free time. But this like whole studying together thing, obviously that's not helping you because I walk in here and you're making out on the couch. I saw no studying being done. Obviously your grades are reflecting that. So it's just like cool it for a little bit. Just like limit you know, their phone time. Just say, hey, he can pick you up and take you to school or he can bring you home from school. But that's it. No hanging out. Just have him drop you off. And then after, when your grades improve and you can micromanage your relationship and your schoolwork and your other responsibilities, then we'll see how it goes. But don't automatically... Roseanne, perfect example. Becky was dating Mark, who was a bad boy, who was not the greatest influence at first on her. And Dan and Roseanne absolutely forbid, because Mark was an older guy who was like, what, 18, 19 years old, and she's like 15? Yeah. That makes sense. Like, I don't want you seeing the guy. But then again, you forbid the relationship, they're going to go right to seeing the person. It's never done anyone any good. The audience, when Danny says, well, I'm sorry too, because I don't want you and Steve seeing each other anymore. The audience is like, ooh, like they are not happy with Danny. Even DJ is just shocked. Like the fact that he would go that far. He didn't say anything about you guys to take a break from each other for a smidge. Cool it down. No, he flat out said, no, you're done. This relationship, whatever it is, it's done. And she says, you can't do that. And he's like, I just did. And she flat out says, I don't care. I'm going to see Steve whenever I want and you can't stop me. And she leaves. Because the door is open. And she can't stand to be in the room with Danny right now. When he runs up to the door, you actually see a bit of the outside of the house as Danny is like, DJ. And you hear the patter running of DJ's feet. Like she's just running. The school must not be far away then. Because clearly, you know, he's at wrestling practice. Which now she's going to go and distract him at wrestling practice. And bring the problem to him. I said, you know what? I'm going to go hang out at Kimmy's for a bit. 
And then when Steve's done with wrestling, I'll go. Yeah, because, yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. DJ, this is inexcusable. <laughs> I promise it'll never happen again. It's not just forgetting about Michelle. You are entirely too wrapped up with Steve. I love Steve, and he loves me. <laughs> what? <laughs> You're 15 years old. You're not in love. You don't know how I feel. I know that your head has been in the clouds. You haven't been paying any attention to your schoolwork, and you've been neglecting all your responsibilities like picking up your little sister. I said I was sorry. Well, I I'm sorry, too, because I don't want you and Steve seeing each other anymore. You can't do that. I just did. <sighs> well, I don't care, because I'm going to see Steve whenever I want, and you can't stop me. Hey, DJ! DJ! All right, so Denny clearly figures DJ's going to go to where Steve is. He's at wrestling practice. So he walks into the gym, sees Kimmy there. Like, Kimmy, what are you doing here? She says, I am the official wrestling team at Tower Towel Girl. Oh, God. Ah, uh, she's dabbing the guys with a towel. They get sweaty. Ugh. Ugh. Teenage boys and stinkiness. Woo, stinky. But Kimmy is too, too in love. This is, like, how did you manage that job? <laughs> and he asks, like, and she says, God smiled on me. <laughs> I think at some point, Steve tells her she's been suspended, which um, she's getting a little too comfortable being around the wrestling guys. Like, um, yeah. They're complaining because they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Danny actually knows enough to take his shoes off before he goes on the mat. And he finds Steve, who's working on wrestling moves, and he's like, hey, Steve, uh, you wouldn't happen to know where DJ is, would you? He's like, I, I don't know. I just, last thing I know, she was at your house when you were yelling at her. And Danny's like, hey, look, I don't yell. I guide. And after I was done guiding, she ran out. And Steve's like, whoa, she must be really freaked. And Danny says, you you really care about DJ, don't you? And Steve says, I love her, Mr. Tanner. And Danny's like, oh, I, I really wish you kids would stop using that word. And Danny continues like, okay, well, let me put this in another way. Basically, you want what's best for her, right? So what I want is for you to stop seeing her. And, of course, Steve's like, I, I can't do that. And then he kind of looks over like, Mr. Tanner, I gotta start wrestling or my coach is gonna get on me. So he gets back into position. Danny's like, well, I still need to have this conversation with you. Young man, you go take a powder. And Danny puts his arms around Steve. And Steve's like, Mr. Tanner, what are your hands doing around my waist? Or what are your arms doing around my waist? And Danny says, look, you need to wrestle, and I need to hash this out with you. And he starts in about how, thinking that, you know, Steve's parents must be thinking that DJ's affecting his grades and everything, you know, with wrestling and whatnot, too. And Steve says, well, my parents love DJ. I mean, and not to mention, my grades have never been better. My wrestling's never been better. 
I love when Danny tells Steve, I want you to stop seeing her. Steve says, I can't do that. DJ's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Hey, I think this guy who was going to be, was going to be wrestling. I think all these guys are from the Christmas episode later on. Cause that guy definitely. And then that young Asian man right there. Just, and I gotta tell you, I mean, we know that Scott Wanger, who who plays Steve, is not 16 years old. The other guys just looking at their toned muscle because they're wearing the like tank tops with shorts. They're not wearing the actual wrestling singlet that they wear, but they are built to the point where like no, they are not 16 or 18. They are clearly 22 to 25 years old. Because no 16-year-old has a has a chest and, and, and pectorals like that and, and biceps and I'm going on and on and on. I'm surprised the coach hasn't come over and say, Sir, sir, what are you doing? You are interrupting my wrestling practice. I need these boys in shape. We got a big meet coming up and we don't need you as a distraction. I, I don't care about your daughter and this boy in a relationship. That's not my concern. My concern is making sure these boys are ready for the big match. State, we got state coming up. So you take your daughter problems and you, you leave them at your home. Or you leave them outside the school or the gym, cause we we gotta we gotta focus here. <laughs> when Danny puts his arms around Steve's waist, getting into wrestling mode, and Steve realizes, like, Mr. Tanner, what are your arms doing around my waist? And Danny says, Well, you I need to talk and you need to wrestle. And I love Steve's response. Mr. Tanner, you're old. Your bones are brittle. And Danny says, don't worry about my bones, okay? I wrestled in high school. They used to call me the human string bean. Or the bean of steel. Steel string bean, excuse me. <laughs> Look at me. She's like, I buy the string bean part. Stretch. <laughs> Danny is like, Kimmy or Gibbler, just give us the cue to wrestle. And the cue to start. And Danny flips Steve on his back, but Steve is quick to recover on that. Danny starts talking while... Steve is trying to break out of this hold. He says, ever since you two have been going out, her grades have been suffering. I'm sure your parents say the same thing about your grades. Oh, he says, I'm sure your wrestling is suffering. And Steve says, well, DJ inspires me. My wrestling's never been better. And he breaks that hold. So when Steve breaks that hold, he basically jabs his elbows into Danny's ribs. And Kimmy's like, Try a headbutt, Mr. Tanner. It makes a neat sound. Ew. Well, here are some high school wrestling moves. We got the half Nelson. We got the chicken wing. We got the cross face cradle. We got the three quarters Nelson. We got, I don't know what that is. I'm half Nelson, cross face cradle, arm bar with wrist. Okay. How to do a leg sweep, front leg sweep, back leg sweep. Uh, rings. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, my dad was um, a high school wrestler. I'm sure I mentioned that on the podcast. He actually took second place in for the state of Michigan. And he even won MVP for his team, which is awesome. So Danny asked Steve about his parents. I'm sure they're concerned about you spending all your time with DJ. And 
both, it looks like Danny's getting, if this is what a half Nelson is with the arm around the neck. He's like, yeah, um, my parents think DJ's the greatest girl in the world. And Danny's like, yeah, so do I. That's why I want what's best for her. And Danny says, and that's why I'm putting my foot down. And Steve pretty much knocks Danny on his back. And knocks the wind out of him. If any of you have ever had that happen where you've had the wind knocked out of you, it is not a good feeling. I remember, and this was back in the day before they had, um, uh, nets around trampolines. I tried to do a somersault, and I think I ended up on the ground with the wind knocked out of me. It's like, <gasps> It's not a good feeling. Thank goodness there's a mat there. Can you imagine hitting the hardwood, the gymnasium floor like that? Oh my god. Steve, I'm not sure what this move is, where he's grabbing Danny's leg and like pushing it like forward, practically lifting his butt off the ground. DJ comes in and she's like, Dad, what are you doing to Steve? Steve got a pin on Danny, and Kimmy's like, ugh, I've never seen you sweat before, Mr. T. Gross. And Steve didn't even break a sweat at all. He is, like, 100% dry. Of course, DJ's embarrassed. Like, her father shows up to her boyfriend's wrestling practice to cause problems. And Danny says, all I care about is... He says, I'm here because I care about you. And DJ tells him, no, you're here because you are, like, embarrassing me and humiliating me. Can you imagine all the guys there? So it's like, oh my gosh. Can you believe DJ? I mean, can you imagine having her for a girlfriend? Because her dad is, like, coming into the school, going after Steve. Danny... Gets back up to a standing position, and he's like, "Well, we'll talk about this at home when when my lungs reinflate." And DJ's like, "I'm not going home." He's like, "Oh yes, you are." She tells him, "I'll stay at Kimmy's," and Kimmy's like, "Oh, you might want to rethink that. My dad just ran out of odor eaters." And then she's like, "Fine, I'll stay at Steve's." Uh, <laughs> Steve apparently doesn't get a say in this. And Danny's like, oh, like, heck you will. Steve, of course, feels like, look, DJ, you know I'm crazy about you, but I really don't want to come between you and your dad. This is really messed up. So I can't see you anymore. I, mean, I understand he doesn't like to be put in this position, but he also is trying to respect Danny's wishes because he does really care about DJ. Okay, he did, okay, here I thought he did, but I think it's the lights on the set when I said, like, he doesn't look sweaty at all. Like, yeah, like, from the neck down, he's, Steve's fine, but you see his upper lip, his, underneath his, his bangs, his, his forehead is, like, dotted with sweat, and his bangs are sticking to his forehead, but that's just the hot light, you know, they're under those hot light, bright lights. Steve says, DJ, you know I'm crazy about you, but this is a mess. He tells her, I don't want to come home. I don't want to come between you and your dad. So I can't see you anymore. Aww. 
he apologizes and kisses her and leaves as practice over. I feel bad for DJ because she's standing there embarrassed and crying. Kimmy, what are you doing here? Hey, Mr. T. <laughs> You're looking at the wrestling team town. How'd you get that job? God smiled on me. <laughs> Excuse me. Steve? You know where DJ is? I haven't seen her since you were yelling at her. Hey. I do not yell. I guide. No, you don't. You yell. When I was done guiding, she ran out. Man, she must be really freaked. You really care about DJ, don't you? I love her, Mr. Tanner. I wish you two would stop using that word. <laughs> what you mean is you you want what's best for her, right? Absolutely. Great. Then I'd uh, I'd like you to stop seeing her. I can't do that. DJ's the best thing that ever happened to me. Look, I'm sorry, Mr. Tanner. I got a wrestler coach who's going to flip out. Hey, take a vibe, killer. Here. Thank you. Do me a favor, would you? Hang this up real neatly. <laughs> Mr. Tanner? Yeah? Why do you have your arm around my waist? You need to wrestle. I need to talk. Mr. Tanner, you're old. Your bones are brittle. <laughs> worry about my bones. I wrestled in high school. They used to call me the steel string bean. I buy the string bean part. Just give us the cue to start. You mean ready wrestle? <laughs> Steve, ever since you and DJ have been going out, her grades have been dropping off. I'm sure your wrestling must be suffering. Actually, she inspires me, Mr. Tanner. My wrestling's never been better. Reversal, two points. Try a headbutt, Mr. T. It makes a neat sound. Steve, what about your parents? I'm sure they must be concerned that you're spending so much time with DJ. Escape. One point for the bean of steel. The bean of steel. Actually, my parents think DJ's the greatest girl in the world. Well, so do I. And that's why I want what's best for her. And that's how come I'm putting my foot down. More like he is not gonna hurt you. Why, Mr. G? I never saw you sweat before. Yuck. <laughs> I can't believe you showed up here. I'm here because I care about you. All you care about is humiliating me. Hey, we'll talk about this at home, okay? After my lungs reinflate. <laughs> I'm not going home. I'll stay at Kimmy's. You might want to rethink that, Deej. My father just ran out of foot deodorant. Ew. I see where she gets it from. Like heck you will. You are going home right now. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. No, hey, I'm not. hey, hold it. Stop. <laughs> DJ, you know I'm crazy about you, but this is a mess. I don't want to come between you and your dad. Look, I, I can't see you anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah, Danny, that could have been handled a lot differently. Yeah, I just honestly feel like if he just sat both of them down and said, hey, we need to talk about this. I'm a concerned parent. My daughter's grades are slipping since she and you have been dating. And just had an open dialogue. And actually, instead of shouting and ordering and demanding, try listening to them. 
hearing things from their side and they're saying, okay, I understand and respect your feelings, but we need to try to figure something out that's going to work for the benefit because I don't want to see your grades go to, you're in high school, DJ, you need to eventually be focusing on college because colleges are going to be looking at your grades. All right, um, <laughs> I've never seen this notice before. Because now we're going over to the radio station. Jesse is like literally sleepwalking. His head is on Joey's shoulder. There is a notice on this bulletin board. KFLH 95.6. There is. It says DJs must remain fully clothed. And clothed is double underlined. While broadcasting. Okay, so uh, have they had a problem where someone's just in their tidy whities or just sans clothes while they're... Uh, ew, well, hopefully they took care of that issue. But the fact that it actually happened where they had to write a notice on the bulletin board. Yikes. And I've seen this episode plenty of times. I've never, ever... See, notice that notice. It's a it's a blue notice. It's in the almost lower right-hand corner underneath a notice that I can't really make out. Because even this one, it's like, I can make out the majority of what that's saying. And it's just like, oh my god. What kind of radio station are they? Not too many like graffiti. Not graffiti, but it looks like people are like writing words or their favorite musician artists and stuff on this one side panel here by the door how so jesse is so knocked out did becky have to like dress him because he's not wearing his bathrobe joey is like jess come on snap out of it will you we're on the air in like a few minutes and joey's like what is wrong with you jess and Jesse says, oh, must have been the cold medicine I took for my nose. And Joey's like, well, one little cold pill isn't going to get you this messed up. And, Joe, and Jesse's like, yeah, I know. That's why I took four. And Joey's like, you took four of them? Oh, my God. How is he even communicating speech right now? You'd think he would be... I mean, if Joey let him, Jesse would be on that floor just... Oh, I and I, I appreciate how when Jesse says, I took four, and he's not even counting right with his fingers, Joey says, four? Do you know how dangerous that is? Plus, you've been up all night? Probably due to the stuffed nose. If he's got a stuffed up nose, I mean, it's probably a sinus of... Oh, my God. Who wants to work with a sinus problem when your head's all stuffed up, your nose is stuffed up, your ears are probably blocked? Oh, my God. But then again, I mean, we've all had to work through that. Sucks, but we do it. Oh, even the sinus pressure. Oh, I'm just imagining. Because he says, like, for my nose being stuffed up. But you think if that's stuffed up, then everything else, the ears has got to be plugged, the... Sinus pressure, headaches, oh my god. 
like that time when I had like a hundred and one fever or whatever, and it felt like I was a zombie. Literally, I felt like I was walking through a fog, like I wasn't even in my own body. I don't know if that's what it's like when you all have a fever, but the last time I had a fever, I think I worked a couple days through it, and I just, I was a mess. I just, yeah, it was just, it's almost like an out-of-body experience, but you're in your body, but you just have no sense of what's going on around you. So Jesse says, why didn't want my nose all stuffed up on the radio? You know, I would rather you have a stuffed up nose. I mean, they'd be like, that's fine, whatever. If you have, like, laryngitis where you lose your voice and your voice is all hoarse, that could be an issue to a point. If you literally can't talk, then there's going to be, you'll just have to deal with it however you do with it. So, Julie, I think it's like Jive All Night Julie is going to introduce Jesse and Joey. Although they'd already been on the radio for like, this. it was Jesse's initial spot, but the listeners loved the banter between Jesse and Joey and it's like well I can give you the spot but you gotta have Joey here next to you because they want the you know the duo the twosome Rush Hour Renegades I love that I think what were the other ones Lunchtime Lunatics and the Weekend Weasels or Weasend Weekend Wackos oh my gosh again with these chokers who thought that was a great thing I mean, I know those have been around for ages, but I just, I'm not a fan of the choker. I've never been a fan of the choker, ever. So, Joey's like, alright, Jesse, you ready? And Jesse's like, yeah, I'm fine. They go, <laughs> Joey goes in there and look over and Jesse's face is like plastered to the outside of the glass window there. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't eat. No, it's the the glass in the door. Jesse's like smacking his cheeks, trying to get himself like, oh, I gotta wake up. And he's just like, oh, I glass door. Like, um, are you okay, <laughs> dude? Can you do this? And Joey's like, hey, how you doing, boss? And uh, of course, uh. Joey's like, yeah, I'm doing good. And, and Jesse lets out this big yawn like he just woke up from a 10-hour sleep. And Julie's like, uh, Jesse, are you okay? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And Joey has like, I don't know where the stuffed bear comes from that he puts on the desk because Jesse's about ready to faceplant onto that desk. And luckily, Joey gets that bear right there. Joey plays it off because uh, Julie's looking a little like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Joey's like, oh, no, no, no. This is just this is just what Jesse does. He likes to meditate before he goes on air. Like, okay, <laughs> knock him dead. And Joey's like, we're practically there. <laughs> I love how Joey grabs Jesse by the back of his head, pulls him up, and says, if he wasn't like this, I'd be worried. <laughs> Jesse is just out. He is out. And Julie's like, hey, whatever works. Knock him dead. And Joey's like, we're practically there. So Joey puts Jesse in a chair. Says we're on in three, two. And Jesse starts sliding sideways like he's going to land on the floor. 
Jesse introduces himself, or Jesse, no, Jesse's out like a light. I'm surprised that microphone is holding up his head. Joey introduces himself, and Jesse is a rush hour renegade. He says, I'm Joey Gladstone. This is Jesse Katsopoulos. Say, hey, Jess. Jess is like, <laughs> yeah. Joey puts a, puts a cartridge into Jesse's mouth to stop snoring. Joey's like, well, Jesse's kind of the quiet one. I guess you can tell. Joey's like, right, Jess? Jesse slides right out of that chair onto the floor. What is wrong with you? It must be that cold medicine I took from my nose. Well, one little cold pill isn't going to do anything to you. You know, that's why I took four. <laughs> four? Jess, do you know how dangerous that is? Oh, plus, you've been up all night. No wonder you zonked out. Well, I don't want my nose stuffed up on the radio, but it's all clear. Right. Listen. <laughs> the news is next, and stay tuned for the debut of the Rush Hour Renegade. <laughs> Okay, you ready, Jess? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Okay. Good. Hi, boss. Hey, how you doing, Joey? Hi, Jesse. Jesse? Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. He's he's fine. He uh. See, what he likes to do is meditate before a performance. Helps him relax. <laughs> if he wasn't like this, I'd be worried. Hey, whatever works. Knock him dead. We're practically there. Okay, come on, Jess. Come on, come on. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Okay. Sit down here, Jess. boy. Okay, we're on in three, two, Jess. Hello, uh, San Francisco. We're the uh, we're the Rush Hour Renegades. I'm Joey Gladstone. This is my partner, Jesse Katsopoulos. Uh, say hi, Jess. <laughs> Jesse's kind of the quiet one. I guess you could tell. <laughs> right, Jess? We'll <laughs> be back right after this. So Joey really is trying to save his and Jesse's butt, you know, basically saving their job. This is the first time they've both been on the air together. And being that, you know, Jesse is, he's passed out on the couch. He's out of it from all those sleeping pills or those sick cold pills he took. And Joey's pretty much doing the work of two people. He even says, oh, you guys, you won't believe the impressions that Jesse does. Right, Jess? And, yeah, we go over and we see he's knocked out on the couch asleep. And he was doing, he was talking about the weather and he was taking, like, a like a one or a five dollar bill and just kind of like pulling from both ends making the boop 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 sound like a helicopter so <laughs> joey is pretending to be jesse doing a rodney dangerfield impression it's like no the audience is not buying it. and at this point in time it's dark out so it's got to be at least i mean if they're rush hour I would think they're on at four and they go until like maybe six or seven o'clock at night.
So Joey puts on a commercial and we see knocking on the window is Becky, Stephanie, and Michelle. <laughs> How they got clearance to go into that building, I'll just never know. I guess they just let anybody in. Like, oh, we're family. What that? My husband's up there. No, not Joey. Jesse. And they're like, well, who's Jesse? We've only heard Joey on on air. So Becky comes in like, hey, how are you guys doing? And Stephanie's like, how are they doing? You're the one who changed the radio station in the car. <laughs> oh, Stephanie with the brunt honesty. Michelle asks, Joey, do they have nap time here? And Becky goes over to Jesse and she's like, Joey, what happened to him? And Joey told her, like, hey, he took too many cold pills. And Becky is, like, trying to, like, pull at Jesse's arms, kind of, like, lightly, you know, smacking his face a little. And <laughs> Joey's like, Beck, I, I tried that, okay? He's been out for hours. And she decides, well, oh, this will wake him up. Let me, um, <laughs> kiss him and see what happens. And apparently that does the trick. <laughs> Sleeping Beauty puts a kiss on the prince. Okay, he was awake enough to be aware that somebody's about to kiss him. If you were out, you're not going to respond to that. Jesse wakes up, he's like, have mercy. And Joey thinks to himself, gee, why didn't I think of that? I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> and Jesse, of course, is confused. He's like, what's going on here? And Joey says, well, welcome back, Mr. Posturepedic. You've slept through half of the show. And Jesse, of course, thinks, well, that's it. My career as, as, a, as a DJ is over now. Or as a uh, radio host is over now. Yeah. Don't, don't ever take more than the recommended amount for cold pills. Because it will knock you on your... It's, Joey said it's da it is dangerous. It does tell you on the label, only take the recommended amount. So here comes Michelle talking into the microphone, and she's like, it's the Michelle show. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm getting a flashback here of when Michelle would walk around with her little microphone and tape recorder saying it's the Michelle show. She's bringing that back. So she's going to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, you can't hear anything, I don't think, because it's a commercial. Uh, Jesse grabs Michelle away from the microphone, sits down, sits her in his lap, and says, Oh, <laughs> for all of you listening, that was my patriotic niece, Michelle. And Michelle says, Did you have a nice nap, Uncle Jesse? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, folks at home can't see this, but I'm pinching her cheek really hard. <laughs> so Jesse's like, Hey, you guys want to say hi? Becky stuff. And Becky, of course, she's a you know TV personality. She has no problem. Steph, on the other hand, is a little nervous, you know. Um, I remember the time I was, I think, either a sophomore or junior. I can't remember. But we actually got to tour um, a radio station in Grand Rapids. It was WGRD. And I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, I surely didn't go up to the microphone and say hey, but uh, a couple other classmates did. Joey's on, like, come on, Steph, come say hi. And she's like, no, I can't. She's bashful. I'm shy. <laughs> so Jesse's like, come on, Steph, don't, don't be shy. She goes up to the microphone and immediately starts belting out when the saints go marching in. When the saints go marching in, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
Oh, no. uh, Jesse pulls the microphone away from Seth. Like, oh, I guess she got over her shyness. <laughs> Jesse, of course, says the Rush Hour Renegades will be right back. Let's play some music. Here's some rock and roll. So Jesse does thank Joey for helping bailing him out throughout this whole thing. And Joey shakes his hand and says, hey, that's what partners are for. That's right. That's right. So, of course, Michelle's like, oh, what does this button do? And, of course, she presses it. <laughs> Jesse explains to her, well, honey, that turns off the music and it means we're broadcasting dead air. And Stephanie jumps right into when the Saints go marching in. Jesse, of course, is trying to take control. Oh, sorry about that. Like, uh, don't touch something you don't know what it is. She didn't even wait for him to tell her what it was. She just pressed the button. But then again... We've all been kids. We've all been curious about what does this button do? What does that button do? What if I press this? What is that? What happens then? Well, that's the traffic report from the KFLH traffic copter. <laughs> hey, folks, you know, I should point out that Jesse does some really great impersonations. Isn't that right, Jess? <laughs> hey, Jess, why don't you do Rodney Dangerfield? Hey, I want to tell you, I get no respect. No respect at all. Oh. Yeah, that was unbelievable. It was like Rodney was really here. <laughs> um, why don't we give our listeners a break from all this hilarity and uh, listen to a commercial? <clears throat> hey, how are you guys doing? How are they doing? You were the one who changed the station in the car. <laughs> Is that enough, can you? Joey, what happened to him? He took too many cold pills. Sweetheart, sweetheart, wake up. Jack, I tried that already. He's been out like a light for hours. <coughs> Have mercy. Why didn't I think of that? What's going on here? Welcome back, Mr. Posturepedic. You slept through half the show. Oh, I blew it. Over oh, yeah, those cold pills. It's the Michelle Show. I just had Thank you, thank you. Now that little uh, patriotic munchkin was my niece, Michelle. Did you have a nice nap, Uncle Jesse? <laughs> oh, I'm pinching her cheek really hard, but you folks at home can't see that. Um, guys, you want to say hi? Becky, huh. Steph? Hi. <laughs> Come on, Steph, say hi. Oh, come on, Steph, don't be shy. Okay. Oh, what the things? Go on, Jamie! Go on, the things! Go on, Jamie! Oh, okay, thank you. I guess she got over shyness, huh? All right, the Rush Hour Renegades will be right back, but first, a little more. Thanks for bailing me out, pal. Hey, that's what partners are for. turns the music off, honey, and then that means we're broadcasting dead air. Dead air. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, hey, everybody. Okay, so now it's evening. Danny is sitting on some patio furniture. I guess that I don't even know what you call it. Not a patio couch, but patio. It's not a chair. It's more like a, anyway. And I, at first I'm like, where is Vicky coming from? There are actually two doors. There's the back door, and then there's one right by 
the laundry room. Well, just opposite of the laundry room. At first, I'm like, where did she go? I'm like, oh, okay. So, Danny's kind of, I wouldn't say he's broken up about it. He is a little bothered by the fact that, you know, DJ won't even talk to me. She's up in her room. She doesn't want anything to do with me. Because Vicky comes out there. She's like, are you all right? And he's like, DJ doesn't want anything to do with me. She won't even talk to me. Vicky sits down next to Danny and she kind of leans back against the uh, the back of the uh, patio furniture. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's a tough age. And she puts a hand on Danny's knee. And Danny's like, yeah, 15. And <laughs> Vicky says, well, no, actually I was referring to 35. <laughs> and Danny is like, Vicky, they're just kids. They're not mature enough to know what love is. And Vicky looks at him, and she's like, oh, mature like us. And he says, exactly. And she looks at him like, exactly? Like, really? And Vicky continues to look at him, and she asks, Danny, do we love each other? And Danny looks at her confused. He's like, what? Like, he was completely caught off guard. And Danny's like, love? I don't know. I mean, I guess the mature thing would be to do to make a list. And let me guess, he wants to list all the pros and cons of are they in love? Are they not? What is their relationship based on? You know, his and Vicky's, not DJ's and Steve's. Analyze the situation and think it through carefully. And Vicky puts a hand on his leg and says, don't think. Just say the first thing that's in your heart. The first thing that comes to your mind. Tell me how you feel. Now, mind you, this is early season six. Vicky would have come on the show in season five. Okay, so Vicky came on the show in season five, episode 11. Nikki and or Alex, that episode. In episode 12, Bachelor of the Month, Danny and Vicky would have kissed at the end of that episode. In episode 13, Easy Rider, they would have, you know, kissed and tried to define what their relationship is. What are we doing here? Are we dating? Are we not? And in Play It Again, Jesse, episode 15 of season 5, Vicky would have eventually left to take the job in Chicago and they would have pursued a long distance relationship of course at the so so that's pretty much where they're at you know this could be they've been dating for six months I mean whether you're a teenager or whether you're an adult like I said saying I love you is a big big deal and, and she asks, like, do you love me? And he, he looks at her and he says, well, I mean, there's no one else that I would rather spend my time with. And I love how he he takes her hand in his. And Danny says, and I feel that you're the only one in the world for me. And I just, I, I love Danny here. I really loved Danny and Vicky's relationship because he hasn't felt this way about another person since Pam, like, deeply felt. I mean, 
he he must very much care about her. The fact that she lives in Chicago and they're doing this long distance relationship. You don't do a long distance relationship with someone you only kind of maybe like a little bit. And he confesses. He says, "I feel like I love you." Aww. So I feel in a way. I mean. I'm not going to say that Vicky kind of tricked that answer out of him, like she desperate, but I think she's trying to get him to see from DJ's perspective about love. Like, you can be any age and, and feel something for somebody that strongly. Love does not have an age requirement or an age limit. And she is just so happy. She's like, oh, Danny, I love you too. And he looks at her surprised, like, y you do? And they kiss, and it's so sweet. I, I gosh, I can't, I can't stop gushing about, I, I love, I love Danny and Vicky. He is so surprised. He breaks away from the kiss. He's like, you really love me? Like, really? And he hugs her, and he says, I feel like a teenager again. Because we've all been there. We've all had the giddy feeling of being in a relationship and just feeling those feelings. There's the excitement, the anticipation, the knowing that the moment that you see that person, like your day's about to get better. And he finally he says, DJ. He, he gets it. He gets it. Like, yeah, see? And the thing is, it seems like he's trying to, um, I mean... Would the word invalidate be acceptable here, saying, like, in a way that Danny's, like, almost kind of invalidating DJ's, you know, scoffing at her, saying, oh, you're not in love, you're a teenager, you don't know anything about it. But <clears throat> when he goes through that, you know, with Vicky and everything, and just feeling that giddy feeling, it's like, of, you know, being in, in love and, you know, wanting to... Sh that feeling you want to shout it from the rooftop you're just you're on cloud nine you're just oh you're so elated and excited and it's like he now gets that's exactly what dj is feeling with with her, her boyfriend that feeling of you know being in love for the so dj's in her room just kind of hanging out since she's probably grounded <laughs> for taking off Danny's just so excited that he wants to share the news with his eldest daughter. Granted, her feelings are kind of deflated, where she's like, eh, that's great, Dad. But I'll get to that in a minute. Okay. DJ's still in her room. She won't even talk to me. It's a tough age. Yeah. I meant 35. Vicky, they're just kids. They're not mature enough to know what love is. Mature like us. Exactly. Exactly? Danny, do we love each other? What? <laughs> love? What? I don't know. I guess the mature thing to do would be just, you know, make a list and then and analyze the situation and just think it through objectively. Don't think. Just tell me how you feel. How I feel? 
Well, I feel like there's, there's uh, nobody else I'd, I'd rather spend my time with. And I feel like you're the only one in the world for me. And I feel like I love you. Oh, Danny, I love you too. You do? So Danny's knocking on the door and he's like, DJ, and she's what? And he finally opens the door because she doesn't say come in or anything. But she looks at him, she's like, Did you find another way to ruin my life? Danny is just he's still flying high on that <laughs> that love word, that love cloud. He's like, DJ, something incredible happened to me tonight. I just told Vicky that I love her. And she just looks at him and says, Are you trying to torture me? This makes me kind of wonder if what's going on in her mind is like, Great, so my dad can be in love at 35, but I can't be in love or feel that emotion of love with my boyfriend at 15. And Danny tells her, it's like, No. I'm trying to tell you that I understand how you feel. And Danny does ask to sit on her bed, and he does start out by telling her, like, I've forgotten what it's like. I mean, I haven't felt this way since your mom. Yeah, he says, I haven't been in love with anyone since your mom. And that is a big step. I mean, granted, it's been six years since Pam and it's nice to see Danny move on and everything like that. And he's finally letting himself, allowing himself to open up to another person after that loss. That he cares enough about somebody that he can have those, that he can feel comfortable with having those feelings for another person and not feeling like, like how would Pam feel about this? Or, or like he's betraying his wife. Like, six years have passed. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's been six weeks, six months, or six years. When a person is ready to be able to move on and let themselves know, like, I have grieved and I, I want to find that same type of love. I want to allow myself to be know that it's okay that I can love another person like this. He's saying how incredible this feeling is. And she just looks at him says, that's great, Dad. I mean, she is happy for him, but still, I mean, he kind of, and I feel maybe invalidated Israel. You know, he kind of invalidated her feelings in a way. Like, that's great that you can allow yourself, you're allowed to feel that way, but for whatever reason, you're not letting me allow myself to feel that way. And he tells her, 
that if you and Steve are feeling what I'm feeling right now, then I think that's wonderful. It's almost like now he's giving her permission, like, it's okay because I'm in love and I'm feeling that feeling and I understand where you're coming from now, but that's okay. You and Steve can love each other in that way. And she asks him, are you saying that I can see Steve again? And Danny's like, I guess I am. And she immediately is about ready to go over to that phone and call him. Although before she <laughs> turns around to grab her phone, she and Danny do hug. So they did patch this up, this little father-daughter disagreement. So Danny says, you know, the truth of it is, DJ, I mean, that Steve's a pretty good kid. I mean, he's polite. He's a good eater. <laughs> He's got a gut, you know, he's got a darn good headlock as he's like rubbing his shoulder. Like, well, yeah, that's what he's trained to do. And she's like, thanks, Dad. And she almost jumps off that bed. Like, I can't wait to call him. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Come back here. Hold off on that phone call. Because he does have some, you know, ground rules, you know, he would like her to follow. So yeah, Danny gets up and goes over to DJ. <laughs> He's like, oh, put that phone call on hold for a minute. And she's like, yeah, I knew that was too easy. So Danny kind of levels with her. He's like, look, I understand that Steve is a big part of your life now, but he doesn't have to be your whole life. And he says, you can't forget about your grades or your friends. Hence the birthday blues episode coming up later this season. That'll be a thing. And he also adds, and your family, like the responsibilities, you know, if I need you to pick one of your sisters up because I can't do it for whatever reason, I need you to, I need to know that I can count on you to follow through when I ask you to do something. Just, yeah, just, you should, as a teenager, be able to work around having a boy, you know, schoolwork and family and friends and stuff and, and and then your boyfriend. I mean, you should be able to fit all that into to like a, a routine and everything where you're giving equal time to everything. Granted, I know it's been a long time since I was a teenager and never had a boyfriend as a teenager, but it's weird as an, an, an adult to say, oh, teenagers should be able to do this and this and this, but then again, as you get older, you tend to forget what it was like being a teenager I mean, granted, yes, teenagers now are much, di a, a little bit different, you know, as far as when it comes to technology now, but when you boil it down, it's all pretty, pretty much the same, you know, thing with the responsibilities and all, and the feelings and the hormones, it was just all that stuff, just all those emotions. Oh, he also adds, and if you don't like a blouse, don't wear it. And, but he adds, uh, unless, I, of course, I bought it for you. Well, who else is buying her clothes other than herself or you? I know, when did your parents stop buying your clothes and you just kind of started going with, you, you develop a style that you're comfortable with and you like? At some point, it's like, okay, um... I mean, unless your parent knows what you're into, like, hey, I saw this at the store, I know that you're dressing like this, I thought, hey, thought it'd be nice, saw it, thought of you, I got it for you. Because my dad and Pam would always, <laughs> around Christmas time, they'd always either get me a couple tops or some pants, you know, like some jeans. And I'd be like, oh, thank 
you. And my dad and Pam were like, well, go try it on. We've got to make sure it fits in case we got to take it back. That That's right, because of the um the whole weight thing and stuff. Like, we got to make sure it fits you. And I like how Danny adds here. He says, what I guess what I'm trying to say is don't lose track of who you are. And she looks at him and she says, I won't. Even though, you know, they did hit a rough patch with the disagreement and they were, you know, yelling at each other and everything. And at the end of the day, they come together, they realize, you know, their, their faults together and they work on a, you know, a system. It's like, let's hash this out. Let's talk this out reasonably. Make sure we're on the same page. But I like that he says, don't lose yourself in this. Oh, I don't know why, but I like that picture of that black, that black and white picture of that llama. And it's kind of, kind of curious how DJ, was she in a store? Like, hey, I like that llama, that black and white picture of that llama. Like, it really, really speaks to me. I mean, my room is decked out in peach and lavender. And I think this black and white photo of a llama, it's not like it's got, like, big old, you know, teeth sticking out. Sometimes you see a llama and they got the, you know, their bottom teeth are just jutted out. Or it's like they got their blah, blah, their tongue like blah, sticking out and just looks kind of weird. But no, this one just looks like it's staring into the camera while its eyes are on either side of its head. Uh, and just, it's like, hey, you caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting a picture. How's my hair? <laughs> I just, I can't get over that llama. I just, I can't stop staring at that llama. <laughs> that is a cute picture. <laughs> what are some of those awards that she's got on? She's got a ribbon. She's got another, like, a ribbon on her corkboard there. She's got... I'm not sure what that is. Looks like she's got a couple postcards there. I don't really see anything in relation to horses anymore. Oh! Oh! That one picture! That big, the one that she's got on the big giant whale tail? That's on the wall, like, just on the, you know, her closet's, like, on the other side of, of that wall. And she's got that picture of that, of that whale tail. But it's nothing compared to that adorable llama picture. Gosh, I like that picture. Okay, I gotta move on from the llama, because <laughs> it's, it's, it's sucking me in is what it's doing. And DJ sits down on the edge of the bed, because Danny's on the, um the little ottoman at the foot of her bed and she apologizes for the way that she had been acting and she tells him you know i've never been in love before and i love how danny is holding her she's got her hand in his and he's got his hand on top of hers and it's just i love these father-daughter moments they're so sweet the thing is it just feels like we don't get the relationship between danny and dj just seems I don't know whether it's just because she's his firstborn child and they just have, like, maybe they're similar in some ways and where with Stephanie and Michelle, it feels like Maurice kind of talking down to them in a way. And I guess that TJ's getting older. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just the situation they're both in with being in love again. And TJ's in love for the first time. Danny's in love again with a new person. And maybe they, I don't know. And she tells him, it's kind of overwhelming. I, I can imagine it would be, definitely. I mean, 
it seems like when you're in love and you're just as elated and great as that feels, you're also very, very vulnerable. Very, very, I mean, you're letting your heart open. You're giving your heart to another person. And Danny's like, tell me about it. And I love how DJ's like, are you kind of lightheaded? He's like, yeah. Yes. Is your heart pounding? And he's like, like a bongo. And she asks, how about your stomach? And he's like, I feel like I'm going to hurl. <laughs> he looks like he's about ready to hurl. <laughs> and I love it. How she's, it's the best, isn't it? <laughs> I hug again. I love DJ's jeans with that top. I honestly feel, I think she's going to get the best outfit of the episode. I just, I love the jeans and the... The, the the peach shirt, like bright peach shirt that she's wearing. It's just it's gorgeous and her lipstick and her hair is just on point. Just everything about it's just absolutely I love wait a minute. Oh wait, oh, oh no. Okay, hold on a second. Remember I told you about the whale tail poster? It's on the wall just above DJ's headboard and actually it's above her nightstand light. I just, I love those colors. The, the Oh, actually, her bedspread, her comforter is kind of a cream off-white color. I think later on she gets, I think maybe season seven, she gets like a dark purple comforter because it goes with the, the, the peach and the, the lavender. Are those willow rods? I mean, what are, there's like... Trains are like in a vase, and I know there's a word for them, but I, I don't know what they, they're like stiff like rod, like not rod, I don't know, like the things of those like fuzzy cattail things that you would see like, like waving in the wind, I mean, I don't know what they are, but I just, I love the colors, the colors are gorgeous, I, I think that's pretty much the episode, yes it is. DJ. What? Did you think of some new way to ruin my life? DJ, something incredible just happened to me. I just told Vicky that I love her. Are you trying to torture me? No. I'm trying to tell you that I understand how you feel. Can I sit down? like I haven't been in love with anyone since your mom it's it's incredible it's great dad yeah it is <laughs> and if you and Steve are feeling what I'm feeling right now then I think it's wonderful are you saying I can see Steve again <laughs> yes I am truth is that Steve's a pretty good kid. He's polite. He's a good eater. He's got a darn good headlock. Thanks, Dad. I can't wait to call him. Hold it. Hold it. Put that call on hold for a moment. I knew that was too easy. 
Steve is an important part of your life now, but he shouldn't be your whole life. You can't forget about your grades and your friends and your family. And if you don't like a blouse, don't wear it. Unless, of course, I bought it for you. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is, don't lose track of who you are. I'm sorry about the way I've been acting. It's just that I've never been in love before. It's kind of overwhelming. Tell me about it. Are you kind of lightheaded? Yeah. Is your heart pounding? Like a bongo. <laughs> about your stomach? I feel like I'm going to hurl. <laughs> it's the best, isn't it? that's the episode i hope you guys liked it i really liked this episode and i i when i chose the episodes i wanted to do for tanner girls in love i had been thinking about it for a while and i had a set amount of you know the episodes i wanted to do and i'm like yeah i definitely want to get one you know with all the girls each individually you know baby love for with michelle stephanie plays a field for stephanie of course and Horse lovers and other tanners, I wanted to do with the you know with DJ and Steve, and then of course the Valentine last Valentine's Day episode, Dateless in San Francisco. So for best outfit, like I just said, I want to give it to DJ. I just I really loved that pink button up blouse that she wore with the the jeans were just great. Um, worst outfit, uh, huh, I think I kind of want to give it to Joey, you know, he's, you know, in season six, he does this, he wears a lot of the denim shirts with, like, the iron-on patch, I'm, that pretty much is like, meh, not a fan of that, so that would definitely be the worst episode, uh, worst episode, worst outfit of the episode, Tanner Teachable Moment. When it comes to Danny and DJ and their prospective partners and saying, I love you, you, you are never more vulnerable than when you lay your heart out in the open. You're vulnerable. You're letting somebody into your heart. You're allowing them the ability to, you know, they could possibly, you know, hurt you or they can, or, you know, think of it in a positive light. But there's so much power and emotion in the word love. I know Jeremy actually said it to me before I said it to him. And I did actually tell him. I said, you know, I want to be, I mean, I was sure, but I wanted to be ready. And it's not like he pressured me saying, oh, I said it to you, you should, you should say it to me now, nothing like that. And don't feel pressured to say it just because someone else said it you know, your prospective partner. Don't feel rushed. If your partner respects you, they will let you reveal your feelings in your own time, in your own way. There's no set time limit. There's no right moment. It'll just, it'll happen when you're ready. And as far as Jesse goes, <laughs> like I, I said, don't ever take the... 
exceed the recommended amount of cold pills. I don't care if you have a monster migraine or your ears are plucked. Just that stuff isn't going to make it go away any faster. Like instead of doing harm to your body, which you could very well be doing by taking the exceeded amount, recommended amount, just colds are going to come and they're going to go. But the thing, it's not going to be over 24 hours. You know, it just sucks. Take it in stride. Take it into downtime. Just, just power through it. Fight through it. Just know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to having a cold. I mean, I know when people are like, oh, when I'm hat sick, I'm going to you know, lay on the couch and this and that. When I'm sick and just, like, which really, really doesn't happen that often. I don't feel like doing anything, especially if I have a headache. It's like, if I have a headache, it's like, I don't want to watch anything. I don't want to read anything. It's just like, ugh. But, yeah, just be careful. Read those labels on the cold meds and take as directed. So as I said, in March, I will be going to two at Full House episodes a month. And of course, those episodes that I'm going to, we focused on, you know, love. Now we're going to focus on the sad part. We're going to focus on the two big breakup episodes of characters that we really loved and grew to care about. We are going to be First one up is going to be Season 7, Episode 13, The Perfect Couple. Joey has been hired as the host for a test-run new game show called The Perfect Couple, which tests, which tests couples at different stages in their relationships to see how well they know each other. DJ and Steve are the dating couple, Danny and Vicky are the engaged couple, and Jesse and Rebecca are the married couple. But as it turns out, the game starts to bring out the worst in all three relationships. And, of course... Season 7, episode 19, Love on the Rocks. DJ tells Becky that she is worried about her relationship with Steve after Steve goes to a seminar in Los Angeles with his phone class. Yes, in season 7, we all know that DJ is at least a, uh, a year or so younger than Steve. He moves on to college. They have to work at that relationship because they're not in the same school anymore. They're not seeing each other nearly as much. And, and that's the thing. Relationships, as Becky says in the episode, relationships do go through stages. There's the early exciting stage because everything is new. And there's the stage maybe with DJ and Steve where you, you've been with each other for a couple of years. You get comfortable. You feel like you're kind of in a rut. You're in, you know, a routine that's just kind of feels kind of played out. Well, maybe not played out. Played out could be the wrong word. But it's just, you get like, you get maybe a little too comfortable and too in a routine where it's like sometimes you got to kind of do something to mix things up, you know, bring back the excitement. And that's the thing with the relationships. They do require work. It's not always going to be hunky-dory. <laughs> I do know both of these episodes. I cried when I saw them when they when they aired. I just, oh my gosh. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to focus on for 
March. And I still will be doing birthday episodes for cast members. And February, I will be doing an episode for Sonny Pringus for her birthday. Now, her birthday is February 2nd. I might not be able to get to that episode and, you know, have it released that day. But it will be released in February along with the four episodes of the Tanner Girls in Love series. So... I think, you know, probably in April I'll do something fun. Like, okay, we had a couple of sad episodes. Let's, like, make something fun. Like, I don't know, maybe, like, um, like the babysitting series. Something like that. I think that would be fun. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I got my set list of episodes that I want to cover and just when and when I want to do it. All right, so everyone have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. And don't forget if you want to email the podcast and talk about your favorite episodes or worst episodes, just send an email to omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com. And also, if you got a minute, just jump on iTunes and leave a review. All right. Please continue to be safe out there and take the necessary precautions when you go out. Bye-bye.